0: Kia ora, Dave. Kia ora, Nick. So good to see you. Oh, good to see you too. How are you and the family? Oh, we're doing well, actually. Uh, It's nice to be out of um, you know the 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 higher lockdowns and into level two, and do feel very sorry for those who are in Auckland and uh, who are still in level four. But um, we've had our Uh, children um, Simon and Charlotte Simon and his wife Charlotte and their two uh, kids with us and my daughter Anna so we've had lots of fun Uh, our little grandson Marley is nearly three and our little granddaughter is nearly one so they're at a very cute and wonderful age so um, I said to my wife today actually I'm a bit sad because they're going home in a week and I think the place will be very empty without them so it's been good for us hard work and a bit stressful but it's been good Oh, awesome. That's great, Dave. Um,
1: Well, this morning, I'm just coming off this interview. I I know yourself um, probably about 15, 16 years um, ago, when mum and dad went down to work with you guys at Grace Vineyard Church. And uh, obviously, I've met you and Liz and your awesome children who have grown up now. And like you said, married and got grandkids um, growing by the day. (laughs) Absolutely. and obviously we were, we were part of Grace Vineyard for about three years when we lived in Christchurch too. So um, really got to know you and the, the Grace Vineyard family. And uh, it, when we planted Kurimako, it, it just made so much sense with all our relational connections to be part of this um, awesome network. And so we've really enjoyed um, getting to know you more as we do that. Um, why don't you just tell our
0: um, people a little bit about yourself and your, and your journey? Sure, well, I must say that uh, today is a special day in a way because your mum and dad are actually retiring today from Raumati Beach Church and... um, they have been our wonderful, close friends for many, many years. We were just trying to figure out this morning how many years it's actually been. But, uh, yeah, they came down to service as assistant pastors. And you guys came down for a season as well. And your your brother, Matty. And, um, yeah, we just have, have loved your family. There's been, you know, it's it, it felt like being family. And so it's been a joy to us uh, with that uh, link that you guys have become part of the Vineyard family once again. Um, I grew up in a Presbyterian church, my dad was a Presbyterian minister, actually you can see his face just behind me there, he passed away sadly earlier in the year at the age of 100, Um, and he was sent a certificate from the Presbyterian church thanking him for 70 years of ministry, isn't that incredible, you know, he went into the ministry when he was about 30, and was an ordained minister until the day he passed away, Um, so I grew up in the Presbyterian church, and uh, that was a good experience. But I never really experienced the Holy Spirit there uh, in the sense of the infilling and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And so it wasn't until I left home and I went actually into a broadcasting career that I felt very empty. I felt as though I didn't really know God. And then uh, I came to Christchurch in my job as a radio announcer and... Um, I went to a little church, a power Methodist church and a vineyard team came from the United States. I'd never heard of the vineyard church before, but they were just a group of young people. Uh, and they came and they just ministered so gently and beautifully in uh, the Holy Spirit. I'd never seen anything like that. I'd sort of seen real extreme Pentecostal stuff and stuff that, to be honest, frightened me at the time because I was a good Presbyterian boy. But I was really powerfully touched by the Holy Spirit. Uh, in that that church meeting. I was sitting at the very back. I wasn't intending to be touched by the Holy Spirit. It wasn't uh, anything violent, but uh, I just felt this incredible sense of love that just went from the top of my head to the tips of my toes. And I just felt more loved than I have ever felt in my life. And suddenly it felt like God had uh, come from being a long way off to being very, very close. And uh, he just told me how much he loved me, and that he had plans for my life. And um, it was really at that moment I, you know, given my heart to Jesus long ago as a child. But it was at that moment I just knew that God was real, and everything that I valued in life seemed to just pale into insignificance. You know, it was like the story of the pearl of great price. You know, when I had that experience, that encounter with Jesus, I thought I'd give up everything to be able to have this relationship with Jesus. Well, I actually continue on in radio for a while, but my heart was so changed. I remember going to um, my workplace at the radio station. Everywhere I looked were just people that seemed broken. And I thought, if you could encounter Jesus the way I did, uh, your life would change too. And so I, I started having conversations with people. I started praying with people and and people started to encounter Jesus. And um, around this time, I met uh, Liz, who later became my wife. She'd come from a Salvation Army background. She actually was born in India and uh, lived right across the road from Mother Teresa in Calcutta. And uh, Liz's parents were very good friends of Mother Teresa. Uh, Mother Teresa actually held uh, Liz in her arms when she was a little child, so that's her claim to fame. Uh, we met um, around the time I was about twenty twenty one. And she really, uh, you know, was experiencing great things in the Holy Spirit as well. And so we got married and we just, um, you know, I was very much still working in radio. My wife was a dental assistant, but we had home groups. And in those home groups, we loved to just invite the presence of God. And we just saw a lot of people getting changed and helped. And it just through a whole process of things, uh, we just felt God strongly lead us to plant a church. And so we did back in 1999, we had three children at that stage. Uh, Our youngest was Josh, he was only a few weeks old. And uh, we planted in a little school at the foot of the Kashmir Hills, and um it was incredible on the first day we had in the morning we had 150 people come, and at night we had 100 people that come so we were just sort of like wow you know i thought oh that's just beginner's luck it'll um you know we'll be down to probably about 10 next week but it never actually got smaller than that and i'm not quite sure why god was just doing something and i think his presence was there with us and people's lives and hearts were getting changed Um, we joined the vineyard movement because i had been so impacted by the vineyard church and, uh, you know, I just really love John Wimber. Um, if you haven't heard of John Wimber, you need to Google him and find out he's a, an amazing guy. And basically the distinctives of the vineyard are that we're a very relaxed type of church. Like I always say, it's a, it's a come as you are church. Um, you know, uh, to me, there are sort of extremes of churches and not, none of them are bad. Uh, some are sort of really full on Pentecostal, where they're swinging from the chandeliers. And I actually enjoy swinging from the chandeliers. Um, well, not, tech, not not literally swinging from chandeliers, but I enjoy a bit of fun. I'd grown up at the other extreme, very conservative Presbyterian. But I guess uh, the vineyard was somewhere in between. It was, uh, I, I worked in radio for a long time. And, um, you know, I just sort of thought, what would a church be like? that would attract people like this and who are asking really deep spiritual questions and wanting to know about Jesus. But sometimes the culture, either the wild culture or the really traditional culture, just puts them off. They walk in and they think, wow, I don't belong here. So we wanted to have a church where you can come in your jeans, come in your T-shirt, not necessarily know what to do. You don't need to know how to pray or how to sing or anything. And everyone's pretty relaxed. Everyone has a coffee and people can grow coming to know Jesus. So we planted in 1999. We've been going for nearly 23 years. And just uh, a couple of years ago, we became the national directors uh, of the movement. We've got about 22 churches of which you guys are one of our good, strong churches. And so that's just a little Reader's Digest version of how we began. Oh, that's awesome, Dave. Um, No, that's really appreciate that. And, And
1: thank you for giving us that kind of background on your story um, yeah, I really resonate with it, that thing about uh, vineyard and the relaxed style. And I, and I wonder if it's because maybe it started in California, which is sort of known for that Southern California for that relaxed style. It really kind of connects, I think, with the Kiwi kind of relaxed style, I, I feel for myself. Um, and like, yeah, like you said, there's lots of um, awesome different churches and streams and all that. But for, for myself and I, I think for a lot of the people who come to Korimako, we really just love that relaxed, to come as you are, sort of style, and um, to encounter God.
0: Yeah, it's actually interesting, if you look up uh, uh, on YouTube, you can find uh, the testimony of John Wimber, which is called, I'm a fool for Christ, and um, it, it, John Wimber was actually uh, a rock musician, uh, he played with a band called the Righteous Brothers, he was their manager, and you know, only the real oldies remember the Righteous Brothers, But he actually put the band together and uh, he played in nightclubs a lot in Las Vegas. And uh, when he came along to church for the first time, it was such a culture shock. He came to a very um, conservative church. But then when he went to full-on Pentecostal churches, that was a shock as well. So he said, I I want a church that has good music, good coffee, is relaxed, that I can bring my druggy." musician friends and they're going to feel at home and so you're right it was southern california but also it was the time of the jesus people and in the 70s there were a lot of hippies and it was sort of everything was cool man cool you know they weren't putting too much uh effort into anything and so it was it was that combination of hippie california relaxed you know you know just just kicking back and enjoying yourself so I think that the vineyard has picked that up and as you say I think it's a very Kiwi sort of uh culture that we have yeah
1: that's great um it's awesome Dave I guess I wanted to just ask you today um as the national director and a a pastor and just a, a faithful Christian over all these years um particularly I guess um just in the season we're in um yeah, what has Holy Spirit been putting on your heart recently uh, for you, I guess, for yourself and for the church?
0: Yeah, um, I strongly feel as though the Holy Spirit has just been calling me to pray and to call others to pray as well. You know, there's so many things going on in society. There's just so many changes that are coming about and and not necessarily all of them bad changes, but there's a lot of changes that are very confusing and uh, also Uh, you know, with the pandemic, and there's fear, and there's conspiracy theories, and there's all sorts of stuff that's swirling around, and it causes a lot of division. And I think in these, I mean, these aren't unique times, you know, people always say these are unprecedented times, they're actually not unprecedented, they're unprecedented for us. But if you go out throughout history, um, you know, there's been chaos happening all throughout history. And in the time of Jesus, there was a lot of chaos as well. And I think a couple of things. Number one is praying, because we need, you know, we're we're the people of Jesus who are bringing the kingdom of God in. And the Bible says that we do that through prayer. So the Lord's prayer is, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So the first thing really that Jesus tells us to pray, he says, this is the model for prayer. The first thing I want you to pray is that God's kingdom would come. And the definition of that is that His will would be done here on earth as it is in heaven. And I just think that's an important thing to pray that that uh, God's will is being done. And when we pray, pray, praying is not just telling what God what to do; it's also asking Him, well, well, what is Your will, and what what does it look like for Your kingdom to come? And I think at the moment there's just an enormous amount of distractions. I think people are spending a huge amount of time on the internet and um they're looking at stuff all over the place and i'm not going to give a comment you know which stuff i agree with which stuff i don't agree with all i would say is that i think enormous amount of it is a distraction yeah you know, it's it's not stuff that jesus told us to fill our minds with and so you know there was a lot of stuff that was happening at the time of jesus it was a very political time they'd been invaded by the romans and uh, they were under a lot of oppression. They were under oppression from their own religious rulers. And really, Jesus came from a completely different angle. And he was saying, I want you to focus on the new, this new thing. This is the kingdom of God. Don't worry about the Romans. Don't worry about so much what is happening with the religious leaders. Worry about this new kingdom that's coming in. Mm. And I feel that God's saying to us again in this time, have your hearts in the kingdom of God. And so the things we should be doing are what I call the big five, and I hope I can remember them all, but, but one of them is to worship, to be spending time every day worshiping God. Mm. Number two is spending time in the word. You know, the Bible says of itself that uh, it is nourishment to our souls, mm. that it's sharper than a, a double-edged sword, that, uh, you know, it, it brings life to us. So every time you read the words of scripture, it is bringing life to your soul. The next one is prayer. You know, prayer is powerful. i would preached a couple of weeks ago uh, from James 5, where it says that, you know, the prayer of a godly person is powerful and effective. And it goes on to say, Elijah was a man just like us. Now, when you read about Elijah, he was not a man just like us. He was a he was a superstar. <laughs> you know, he was raising people from the dead, and he was, you know, calling down rain, and he was incredible. But the Bible actually says, no, he was actually ordinary, but he was a man that knew how to pray. He made himself available to God. And I think that's our invitation to pray as well. Another thing is to fellowship. That's just huge in the scripture don't do, as it says in Hebrews, what some people are doing, which they're falling away from fellowship and just doing their own thing. And I would add in there, just spending hours and hours on the internet. Yeah. Fellowship is so important. We sharpen each other and we encourage each other. And, uh, you know, that's the way that we stay strong. We are not designed as Christians to be individuals. We're designed to be part of a team. And It's just really simple if you're not part of a team like a a home group or a church or some sort of meeting where there are Christians that pray for you and encourage you, you will become weaker in your faith and you will become depressed and you will find that your faith weakens. So it's an easy thing. We've got to choose connection. And the last thing is to be doing mission of some type, to be giving out from ourselves. You know, Christianity is about sacrifice you know, giving some of our finance to God, looking around for people who are poor to help them, helping our next door neighbor, you know, making sure that that our lives are not just about us, that the gospel is very outward looking. And so when we're outward looking, say, Lord, how can I use my hands, my feet, my mouth, my ears, everything? How can I use all my senses to bring your kingdom in some way that spiritually grows you as well? And look, if you're spending your time doing those five things, you're not going to have a lot of time to be on the computer um, trying to figure out when the next world government is going to take over or whatever. Mm. Um, And I just think that's what God would want his people to be doing. He Mm. would want his people to be praying. You know, the Bible says that we don't fight against flesh and blood, but we fight against principalities and powers. And I see a lot of people at the moment that are fighting against flesh and blood. There's a lot of stuff about this, there's this thing happening, there's that thing happening. And even Christians are going against Christians, and this is just the worst thing that we can do. Mm. We mustn't fall out between who believes in vaccinations and who doesn't believe in that vaccine. I mean, they're, they're, they're not things to fall out over. Mm. We can fall out over things like, is Jesus Lord? Or, you know, um, you know, did Jesus die on the cross? Did he do miracles? Things like that. They're things that we can, they're serious things. But whether or not a person gets vaccinated or whether or not we believe the world government's going to put stamps on us or whatever, you know, people have different opinions of those things. And I won't even comment whether I think they're right or not. It doesn't actually really matter. But we've got to stick together. And the enemy's plan is to bring division. Hmm. And the word division is made up of two words, one vision, the other die, which means two, it's two visions. Hmm. And so people come apart when they have different visions and as Christians, we should have one vision and that's to follow Jesus and to love each other passionately as brothers and sisters. So we, we, we just have to, you know, we can have differences of opinion, opinion on different things. And we can say, you know what, you know, whether you get vaccinated or whether you don't get vaccinated, whether you believe in this or that or something else it doesn't really matter, because you are my brother, you are my sister. I love you and care for you passionately, and those things are not salvation issues. And even if they were, I still ought to be loving people passionately, because the Bible says, "Love your enemies." Hmm. People who hate us, people who who hate Christians, people that want to destroy us. The Bible says to love them and do good to those those people. So I think uh, we've got a lot of things that we can be doing in this season. And look, to be honest, I'm, I'm actually really excited about the season. Um, I'm getting the occasional letter that says, you know, you're a terrible leader and, you know, how come you've closed down the church and you're just bowing down to the government and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, if you're a good Christian and a strong leader and you had courage, you'd keep the church open. But what they don't realize is that I don't feel that we're being held back at all because we're just we're reaching more people than we've ever reached before. You know, people have been locked down, um, so they do go on their computers and they do watch TV and they're all over the place. And we're getting hundreds of letters over the last year from people saying, I've never been to church before, or I, you know, um, it's fallen away from God and I love your program and, and um, people tuning in from all over the place. People have actually started giving us money from people around the country. So I can't get to a church, but I believe, um, you know, I feel like your church is our church. So I'd like to start supporting the you. We've there, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, we have actually had, this is bizarre, we've had two families that have moved from other parts of the country to come down to Christchurch, just to come to our church, because they saw us online. Isn't that an incredible thing? We actually, um, we've got a deaf community, as you know, at Grace. And so we decided early on that all of our programs would have sign language. And so when we do that, we put it, it just goes out everywhere on the internet. And we're also on Shine TV at Midday on Sundays. And uh, so lots of um, deaf people have been tuning in. And we've had lots of people say, I'd never heard, did you know that the deaf community is the largest unreached people group, group on the planet? People don't reach out to them very much, which is just an oversight. So we've been getting all these letters from people saying, thank you so much for being able to bring the gospel to us. You know, people are saying their children who are deaf, you know, haven't been able to go to church. Nobody sort of cared about their kids. And they're saying our kids are starting to wish All our kids' programs we do have got sign language as well. So one of the families that's moved down from Wellington uh, sent us a video of their little eight-year-old girl who's deaf singing signing to the songs that have come from our church and um, opening your heart to Jesus and so they've moved their whole family down to be with us so I'm not I'm not vaguely depressed that we're locked down and uh, so I sort of uh, you know there are obviously things that we can't do but I felt God said at the very beginning look for the opportunities in this season mm. you know we, we, we don't we can't just think to ourselves, oh, God only works when things are working as normal. When things aren't working as normal, I think God's in that. Like God's put the country on pause. Well, he's put the world on pause. And so we've got to look around and say, well, what are the opportunities in the season? If we can't do this, then what can we do? And look, it's opened up a whole new arena of things that we've started to do that people are coming to know Jesus. Do you know in our first week of this lockdown, when we went into level four, We had probably nearly three times as many people tuning into us online as we would get on an average Sunday where people actually attend. And that was just view. So it probably meant all their families were watching as well. So it'll be the same with you guys and churches all, (coughs) excuse me, over the country. Um, So, yeah, I'm actually rejoicing. God is not held back by lockdowns. Uh, You know, he's Lord and he's in control. And I feel excited about what's going on. Oh,
1: that's fantastic, Dave. Um, I think just um just to come to a close, I I just realised we li- we're living in like you said, complex. There's a complexity to being a Christian in this age, and uh, as a parent, um, you know, I think there's a lot of people who are worried. Um, just is, 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 to be a Christian in this age has become, I guess, a bit more of a complex thing. Um, is there any kind of words of encouragement or or just thoughts you'd like to add to that? Like, how do we as Christians hold on to Jesus, um, as parents, you know, I, I know there's a lot of parents with their kids in secular schools and state schools, or they've got um, other things going on that they're worrying about the the changes in our society. Like, how do, we, how do we as Christians just hold on to Jesus and look after our children and raise them well, you know, in this season? Do you have any thoughts
0: or any kind of... Yeah, definitely. And look, once again, this is not unusual for history. It's unusual for us in our history here, because it's been a reasonably Christian society and that sort of thing. But we're just going through what it's like to be a Christian in a Muslim country or what it was like in the times of Jesus to be a Christian in a Jewish um, society. And so what we've got to do is, is what they did. And that is to make sure that we as parents are the chief people that are inputting into our kids and so we must be having devotions and we must be talking to our kids about our values and, and teaching them to read the Bible and giving them memory verses. This is the way we grew up. And so that the word of God is in their hearts. You know, unfortunately, uh, most kids spend more time at school than they do with their parents. Uh, and it definitely uh, not a lot more time than they would spend at, at church and Sunday school. Um, so we've got to be very uh, focused on what we're teaching and i think we've got to prepare our kids for the world we've got to prepare our kids for uh schools and i think we've got to stick together as well and uh i think it's one of the things that's really important um and i can say this because i'm not the pastor of your church but uh i just think it's so important to get into the habit of going to church regularly Mm. Um, and I'm not, it doesn't, to no advantage to me to say that, but I think that when you get your kids into the habit of going regularly to church, it becomes the same thing as brushing their teeth or putting on their seatbelt. They will do it for the rest of their lives. Whereas if you just go spasmodically, if it's once every six weeks, your kids will not end up in this culture. They won't end up by having faith and going to church because they haven't seen it as being a high enough priority in your life as a parent. So it won't be a high enough priority in theirs And so I think um, making sure that church going is an important thing, making sure that you're involved in in home groups, making sure that your kids are surrounded by other kids and families with similar values, and uh, just making sure that you're talking a lot about the issues that you're facing and sticking together. There's nothing worse. I think in churches, we're not good at talking about some of these social issues. And so when they come up, we're caught on the hop. And suddenly, we dis- we discover that half the church believes something completely different to what the Bible believes. So we've got to talk about these things in our home groups, and uh, I think we've got to encourage one another. So yes, it is uh, a very different time. It's a changing time, but it's no different to the times of Jesus. And the thing that I'm praying for a lot at the moment, and I hear lots of other people praying too, is that revival would come. Mm -hmm. And so that the supernatural power of God would be encountering people so that that actually overwhelms all the things that people go through in their minds. When I was touched that first time in that church by the Holy Spirit, all the objections and all the doubts and all the questions and all the things I'd had influence from my workplace they disappeared in an instant when the power of God came and touched me and God appeared before me. So that's what we've got to be praying for that people will encounter Jesus in our churches and in our homes when they come in that they just are touched by God and and he's the one that changes the way that they think.
1: Oh that's fantastic. Thank you Dave. Really appreciate um, your time and just you sharing us some of your wisdom and what God's been putting on your hearts. I just wonder if, if you don't mind, um, would you pray pray for our Coty um today?
0: Absolutely. Day? Yeah, that would be, be love great. to do that. Love to do that. Father, I just thank you for this precious fellowship, Coty Vineyard, and uh, Nick and Amy and their leaders. Thank you, Lord, that you have done amazing things already in this precious church. Lord, I pray that you'll keep them strong during this time, that they would encourage one another, that even if they have differences of opinion and some of the the things that are happening in society, that they will be committed to loving each other passionately, that Lord, that they would be so committed to you and advancing your kingdom, that they become a bright shining light in Palmerston North and all the areas around, and that you would do mighty things through them. Thank you, Lord, just as being a young churcher in a way, just a seed. And we haven't even seen the full potential of what they're going to become and all the seeds and the fruit that will be produced. So just bless them today, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Hey, thank you so much, Dave. I hope you.
1: Yeah, have a really blessed and uh, awesome day. And um, I just appreciate you yeah, coming on and doing this for us. And we look forward to having you in person. sometime. Oh, I
0: can't wait. I can't wait. And really love you guys. You and Amy, you do a wonderful job. And yeah, I can't wait to come and see you. So bless you. Thank you for the opportunity.